0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Paramount Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. I'm really delighted to have you all here. Um, today I'm welcoming a new guest um, and a new friend of mine. She is a teacher of all things Christian and post-Christian, a faith futurist, and she is director of Hatchery LA. And her name is Maria Francesca French. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so pleased to be here.
0: Um, Maria and I met um, at an event in Ireland, um, oh. back in April, May time, which was great, um, got to hang out a bit, and that's when I discovered her work, and she's doing some incredible work, um, theolo- theological stuff, lots of yeah philosophical stuff, we're going to have great conversations, I'm looking forward to this. So just tell us a bit about the work that you do, Maria.
1: Yes, absolutely. would love to. Um, so I do a few things um, in terms of my vocation and my career and what I do as full-time work. Um, as you mentioned in your introduction of me, I am director of Hatchery LA, and we're located here in Southern California, and we are an incubator for spiritual entrepreneurs. So basically what that means is Um, We partner with people and we apply innovative principles to things like theological frameworks, church models, um, you know, methods of sustainability across the board when it comes to ministry and faith-based communities and faith-based projects. Um, and so we're all about building a future church, um, but we do so out of one's own ecosystem and one's own social location and context. So it's really about doing the work of like, identifying and discovering what spiritual needs are in your community and then meeting those needs. Um, so that's, that's a little bit about what I do at Patriot LA.
0: Awesome. Um, and you're also involved in another project called No More Circles as well. Um, yeah. a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So, uh, NoMoreCircles.org is a blog I launched uh, a little under two years ago now. Um, it doesn't get a ton of attention from me these days because um keeps me quite busy, which is wonderful. Um, but no More Circles is sort of uh, a personal project and a labor of love, really. And I launched it with um, really postmodern Christians in mind. And when I say postmodern Christian Christians, I mean um, a, a demographic of people I call the posty crowd. So anybody who is, you know, post-evangelical, post-charismatic, post-Christian, post-belief, even post-theist, um, but they're not new atheists. Um, and so what that means is that they've left traditional notions and understanding of God and church sort of behind because yeah. uh, their intellects and their reason and their postmodern sensibilities can't quite pack it, um, but they're not ready, nor do they even have a desire to no longer engage in their Christian narrative, in their understanding of meaning-making via, um, you know, redemption and restoration and what they know um, and love about Christianity. And so they're asking questions of how to move that forward in ways that actually really matter in the world and for our humanity. Um, And so I write blogs, and I have uh, guest writers come on. And this is all um, about—it's really a theological collective of people coming together to— through this some through
0: some of the stuff differently. Um and it's it's very much um uh, a bent towards radical theology and post theistic thought. But yeah, mm. that's not much it's um, no more It's amazing. Um I've discovered it recently and uh wow. I saw the Instagram feed and I wanted to like every single post. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a, it's like wow <laughs> um there's some really
1: thought provocations I'm really passionate about so it's it's really great to, to have an outlet to, to do that
0: mm, yeah
1: I found that it um, is resonating with with a lot of people and and you know people are identifying themselves through the words that they're reading whether it's on social media feeds or in the blogs or mm. or whatnot so um, I'm just wanting to provide safe space for people to uh, talk about the kind of stuff that you know they often feel um, but can't mm. always articulate so yeah I
0: was I was thinking about that today, actually I had a meeting with my spiritual director today, and I was talking about like finding that safe space, talk about a lot of these things that you're exploring is difficult like yeah. um I know because I remember i was when we were when we were awake in um, Belfast, were, I was able to have conversations there that I, that I haven't been able to have with anybody else you know that it's it's difficult to talk about some of those things that we were exploring in radical theology and fundamentalism and all these kind of things. It was really, it's difficult to talk about those things. And we need more spaces where we can explore that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think people are really, I don't think it's so much that people don't want to um, talk about these things. I think that they're just afraid. Yeah. You know, they don't know what the future is. And I think they're afraid of kind of going to a point of no return. Um, where they can't actually re-entrench in something that no longer holds them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they kind of, and, and Pete Rollins talks about this all the time, once you kind of get to the center of, you know, all the the hopes and the dreams and the wish fulfillment, you know, and the promise of completion, and you realize that there is nothing in the center and that it's just an illusion, uh, it's really um, crisis-provoking, <laughs> Uh, and so I think people are just afraid to go to that place and so I think mm. the more conversations we have and the more community we can create around these things the, the safer it can be because we can we can do that together
0: why are you learning one of the things I know you're passionate about is um, exploring what spiritual community can look like in a kind of healthy way so I mean like, what are you what are you learning about that what, what what kind of the things that you're yeah that you're beginning to understand about that
1: yeah, um, you know, I've had so, so, so many conversations about this. Just what I do uh, for a living, full time. I'm, I'm in these conversations almost every day, and really, particularly in the past month, this is actually the third podcast I've been on in like the past four weeks, and so. Um, I think Mm -hmm. people are more hungry than ever um, and more keen than ever to explore uh, new directions in terms of faith and and church models. Because we can have new directions in in theology, but unless we have a place to kind of work them out and embody them and offer them up to the world, which would be our faith communities and our church models, you know, we we need both. And so that's sort of what we address at Hatcher LA. But I think for me, um, probably a similar story to you and probably a similar story to a lot of our listeners, Um, You know, growing up in a more conservative evangelical background, even, you know, uh, certainly a bent towards fundamentalism, um, definitely had the Pentecostal charismatic components featuring large as well. Um, You know, you eventually, you you either hold on to that and you continue on, Mm. or you past it. And a lot of times when people move past those kinds of um, ideologies and and worldviews, they move past to nothing. And uh, I've had so many conversations with people who simply move from that to either becoming agnostic or atheist. And that's fine if that's, like, your choice and it is undergirded by some very serious soul-searching and meaning-making. And, you know, you put yourself through just um, a deconstructive process where you decide that's sort of where you want to dig your feet in. But a lot of times people don't do that. A lot of times that's their default option because they feel that there's nothing else. And there is not necessarily a desire to completely kill their spiritual narrative, to completely halt their, um, their Christian journey and their growth and the writing of that story. Um, they just do so because they don't know where else to go with it. And so I'm really passionate about creating new pathways into the future for people to continue to engage their Christianity um, but in ways that make sense for the times in which we live and for our present and for our future and the needs that are represented in us and the needs that are represented in our community. Um, what I'm not interested in is, um, you know, just pulling old, dusty theological frameworks forward just because it's, it's what we've always done. That's why everybody is backing off and sort of backing away. So it really is about, for for me, for Hatchery LA, for No More Circles, um, about writing new parables into the future that will communicate theological realities, as opposed to just dancing around theological ideologies uh, that are only born within a particular time and space. Yeah, so, I don't know if that answers your question. I I can go on and on about about what you asked me because it's just. It's such a, such a big topic. Um, but I also want to say, too, um, in the same way I'm committed to Christianity into the future, um, it's actually not about evangelizing or proselytizing or getting anybody on board <laughs> um, mm. who isn't or who doesn't want to be. Um, but it's about people who want to... Um, Engage their spirituality and engage their their sense of Christ consciousness and and everything that they have come to know and love about Christianity and and the life of Jesus Christ and and the New Testament and all of that. Um, it's about finding uh, new ways to really conceive of those things um, and internalize them and also embody them in our communities. So it's about innovating what we currently believe um as opposed to you know i I would encourage anyone a part of any religion you know muslim hindu buddhist even atheist. um what does it look like to not just move your belief framework forward just because you think it's what you're supposed to be doing um you know but what needs die within it and what needs new life within it
0: yeah i absolutely agree i mean i've been through a kind of deconstruction of my own like a in fact, I think I've probably done about two deconstructions. Because <laughs> I had one out of... you con- deconstructing,
1: you know. It's yeah, I mean,
0: something. you're always doing it, aren't you? But it, 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 it feels like I, do- I had like a big deconstruction out of conservative Christianity mm-hmm. like about, I don't know, 20 years ago wow. um, when my mum passed away. And then... Then I kind of... More recently, I've kind of deconstructed a bit out of progressive Christianity as well. And, yeah. like, And yeah. I still don't... I, mean, I don't like to use labels anymore i mean i I would count myself as someone who has a jesus centered spirituality mm-hmm. um I kind of find religion a bit restrictive yeah. um in terms of my connection with the divine um but at the same time there's a need for community and a need for you know and that's how that's how you grow that's how you get support that's a you know it's a it's really really important to have spiritual community um, because we're all on a journey um, it's just finding a group of people that you are on a almost a similar journey to and you can you can do that together I guess
1: yeah yeah no absolutely I, I completely agree and the interesting thing is so when we're talking in terms of radical theology you know a lot of this was, um, kind of started and launched by the Death of God movement that came out of the 1960s. So, you know, theologians and thinkers like um, Thomas Altizer and William Hamilton, you know, those guys and, and their crew are really attributed mm. with with the movement. And essentially, what they did was launch a brand of Christian atheism. And I know that kind of sounds like an oxymoron, probably to a lot of our listeners. And honestly, I'd, I'm not even lo- I'm not in love with that category by any means because that means that category means that we still have to choose <laughs> yeah. um, but how much we want to affirm you know divinity and deity and not um, but for all intents and purposes that's what they did and whether i like the term or not it really started some interesting discussions because what they essentially did was they offered secular people the option of jesus as the model human so the one who acts in ultimate love and compassion and that example for that um, and on the flip side of that the offer of jesus as divine would still be there for the church to engage so really they opened up christianity to the world and not just a small group of people who could sign their name on the dotted line in terms of divinity and humanity and all of these other propositional statements that we like to think we know about god and and uh, christianity
0: Mm. it's interesting isn't it it's interesting how things continually evolved like yeah, I mean, I I've, I'm I find myself part of quite a few different spiritual communities. Like I've got one that I, I go to, kind of a liturgical, contemplative kind of community um, in London, um, and that involves a lot of liturgy and a lot of meditation, and a lot of silence and reflection and and Teze and all those kind of things. Um, but then I also find myself in different kinds of communities online, and then I go to Wake and I find myself connected with a whole different... Kind of community which is exploring a whole different set of ideas, um, or rather, I it's actually I found one of the things I noticed at Wake was what Pete was talking about. Some yeah. of the things that people was talking about, the you know, some of the ideas, it was like I'm, I've I've lived this. I yeah. I haven't I haven't studied it academically so far, necessarily, but I have lived it and I I know it because I've lived it and it's been part of my story. Wow. And that's how i under that's how I've come to understand it and so I came to understand it from a kind of an academic theological kind of point of view after I lived it as a story mm-hmm. which i which actually helped me because i mean I, i'm I'm somebody who loves to communicate in story i you know that's, that's my medium very much so i i love to write in story i love to you know that that's that's really a um, way of communicating that, that that makes sense for me so mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that was really, really interesting though, and um, then I was able to actually explore my story in a different context which was really incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree, I think intuitively I moved towards radical theology without even knowing its name you know, quite a few years mm. ago um, and as I kind of moved away from the current theological frameworks I was holding and as I was doing deconstruction, I didn't even know what was going on, um And I wasn't even, I mean, there's always grief and loss when you do deconstruction, and obviously radical theology is all about kind of sitting in that grief and loss, Mm. with really the promise of nothing else beyond it, just being okay with (laughs) the lack. Um, But for me, I just kind of let it take me, you know, I just sort of went with it um, and just kind of followed my intuition, you know, the sort of the ghosts whispering as, you know, Dan Caputo uses that metaphor, Mm. and just kind of followed those whispers around corners, um, and then eventually kind of stumbled stumbled upon some of these new thoughts and ideas, which aren't new at all, they were just new for me.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think it's very rare that you actually find a genuinely new idea, or I think it's just, (laughs) ideas kind of seem to go in circles, you know, it's like they become fashionable and then they then they're not fashionable and then they become fashionable again and people rediscover them. It's, it's it's a really interesting concept. So one of the stories that, one of the things that, I, that I've i been noticing for probably about two, two and a half years since, especially since the election of Donald Trump in
1: mm-hmm.
0: America as president. He's um, over
1: there with you now, isn't he? There's lots of protests happening. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. yes, there are lots of protests and... Um, the parade they had down the mall towards Buckingham Palace yeah. um, there was no spectators there at all. There were more police officers than there were spectators, literally no one came out to mm. see him um, Meanwhile, a thousand people were protesting or more than that in another part of London so yeah, um, yeah. yeah. much as he denied it, of course, but um, <laughs> um as he tends to do, but yeah but I mean like. One of the things that I noticed around that time when he was elected, and and I noticed it here as well, in a sense, around Brexit, um, this kind of rise of progressive fundamentalism, this kind of, Mm -hmm. when they're talking about, because one of the things that I've been learning is it's just as important, in fact, it's probably more important how we believe than what we believe. You know, do do we hold our beliefs openly and are we willing to listen to other people's stories and understand why they believe what they believe or why they voted a certain way or what their story is and try and understand or are we just going to hold on to our beliefs tightly and say i'm right you're wrong um i have the moral high ground i have the right beliefs and if you don't have them then i'm entitled to treat you in any way that i want to um whether that's rude or disrespectful or you know i mockery or whatever i can just i can treat you how i'm how you want because you just because you're wrong, and maybe you're morally wrong because you disagree with what I believe, and I believe my belief is the right one. And I, I noticed a lot of this around, especially on social media, around the time that Trump was elected, and from progressive Christianity yeah. as well. And it kind of yeah. it really disturbed me. And I remember talking about it with my spiritual director and realizing that I would shifted in terms of how I believed that I was no longer in this kind of binary dualistic way of believing that I was in a kind of non dualistic way of believing um and wanting to hear other people's stories even though i disagree with them and not rushing to judgment and um you know trying to see different people's stories and perspectives and this is something that we explored i think a little bit in um wake but i just wanted to get your because i know we've talked about this before elsewhere like what are your thoughts on on all of this
1: yeah, I have so many thoughts, um, but first let me say um, that when people have a particular ideology like conservative fundamentalists, conservative Christian fundamentalists, um, and that kind of really speaks into political ideology, it's very easy for that to happen, because um, most Christian fundamentalists uh, believe that their agency comes outside of themselves. So if they're saying something hateful or argumentative or bigoted or whatever you want to insert there, Mm. you know, Mm. the responsibility is not on them. You know, there's no accountability on them necessarily because they're following a God that they believe is the proponent of that kind of thought. So if you don't like it, it's like, don't look at me. Like, look at God or look at the Bible or look at the church or, you know, these this is where I am taking my cues from. Um, and I always tell people, you know, people don't always like to hear it, but, um, you know, God is only as good as our interpretation of God. And the Bible is actually only as useful as our interpretation of the Bible. The Bible doesn't universally say anything. Our interpretations say different things. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. You know? and, and so when when we universalize um this sort of thing, then we say it comes outside of ourselves, and we're no longer responsible um, for for our rhetoric and for our choices because we can just pin it on the God that we believe that it comes from, and that's really dangerous. And in the words of my very good friend and esteemed colleague Barry Taylor, um, there is no singular solution because there is no singular reality. And I think over the last really four or five decades, we've seen an incredible resurgence in fundamental Christianity. Um, and I think it's you know, some of this has been in response to, you know, secularism, the death of God movement out of the 60s. You know, if you look within 10 years after that Time magazine cover of 1966, you see a whole rise of, you know, the evangelists and kind of reentrenching in, you know, just all of, all of that conservative Christianity stuff. Um, You know, you also have something like the secularization theory, which, um, you know, proposed the thought that, you know, As we move towards the future, people will will become less and less interested in Christianity and and just religion, really, in general, and that eventually we would be living in a totally secularized society. Um, And that is actually the opposite of that has happened. People are actually, people have never been more interested in religion, more interested in God, more interested in how all of this plays out in culture and community and society Mm. um, than they are right now. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, the times in which we live in. The, the concept of transcendence has actually lost um, any meaningful place in modern thought. Um, but, you know, as Jeffrey Robbins has said, you know, over a half a century after the death of God movement, we're still not quite done with the word God yet. And it's true. And it's why I do the work that I do um, and, and why many of us uh, do do this work and
0: are still here, actually. Yeah, absolutely, Um, and it's yeah, I mean, I just, I just find it really, really interesting to see similar patterns of behavior from conservative evangelicalism and liberal evangelicalism. It just seems to be different beliefs and different values, maybe, but but the same way of expressing them, you know.
1: I think within evangelicalism in general, if you want to talk about conservative sides of evangelicalism and liberal sides of evangelicalism, you know, it's just, you know, um, two sides of the same coin because the core beliefs are the same. I just think that, you know, the the liberal part comes in maybe how that is expressed in the world. Um, But to be evangelical is to be evangelical. And there are some really core values there that don't tend to... um, you know, shift. Uh, I think if we're talking about, you know, Christianity in general across the board and we want to look at conservative Christianity versus kind of mainline liberal, you know, Protestantism, um, then we're seeing some really significant differences there. but I still argue that um, and still think that we need to transcend that spectrum to get mm-hmm. anything done and to move this into the future if that's what we're interested in. Because right now those polarities, um, just, they, they've become so incredibly reactionary that they're defined essentially by what the other one isn't. They actually don't stand alone. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, liberal Christianity has seen the world uh, burnt by, you know, conservative Christianity, conservative evangelicalism, um, you know, where they're really high on doctrinal statements and um, really narrow understandings of, of God and all of those things. And so I think what mainline, you know, liberal Protestantism has essentially done is sort of backed away from the solid story component of God and Christianity and the things that maybe potentially make us unique. Um, You know, for the sake of inclusion, for the sake of, um, you know, hospitality, community, and really being able to do good in the world um, in the name of a God that everyone doesn't hate, (laughs) Um, which is great. Uh, But then what that has done is essentially kind of um, watered down uh, the story, Mm -hmm. Um, find the lowest common denominator where everyone can be on board. And I, I get the heart behind that, and I think it's noble. But I think we need to find that balance between, okay, we're self-identified Christians, we're self-identified Christ followers. We live in that example, and we're finding new ways of, of moving that forward. So what what makes us uniquely Christian? Um, how are we inclusive? Um, how do we extend radical hospitality and still do good in the world in the name of, you know, this, mm. this spirituality, we're engaging. That's a huge question. Uh, it's not easily mm. solved. It's not easily answered. We can muse about mm. it and wonder about it. Um, and hopefully as we're doing that, we're doing our best to, to live it. Um, but, but these are these are not easy questions to grapple with. But I think that they're ones a lot of people have.
0: Yeah, I think they are. Um, it's, it's that ongoing question of, you know, how do we live this out and, you know more. More. how we believe I, I just I just think it's so important how we believe We uh, the question everyone always asks when we talk about faith when you're having a discussion with somebody people always ask what, what do you believe and I kind of I'm beginning to feel like that question is not, not even relevant anymore it's not even it's not even something that I think about anymore it, it's more like how how am I what are my values and and or, how am i expressing those values how am i loving other people how am i treating other people including those that disagree with me how am i am i am i listening to other people am i you know uh, am i truly being like that you know am i sitting in judgment on people just because they disagree with me you know what um you know it's, it, these kind of things um or, are more important than what do you believe what set of beliefs do you happen to subscribe to you know like um this whole idea that if you don't fit a certain a certain list of of beliefs then then you're out and you don't belong and you know you're going to burn in hell or something ridiculous like that you know uh, you mm-hmm. know it's more important how the how of belief is more important for me
1: more. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that word belief in general, I I don't even get involved in conversations of belief. Like, the, the, the concept of belief is actually just so, it feels very antiquated, and it mm. doesn't feel like it supports the conversations that we're having at the moment. Um, like I said just a few minutes ago, this concept of transcendence has really lost, like, prominent place um, in society, in modern thought, in, in even, you know, a variety of religious communities. Yeah. And, so with that, so goes this concept of belief, um, at least how, you know, it's used within religious circles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. John Mayer, who, who I love as a singer-songwriter, um, has, a, has an old song from one of his, you know, first few albums. And it's actually called Belief. And the first lines of it, um, uh, belief is a beautiful armor that makes for the heaviest sword. Um, like punching underwater, you never can hit what you're trying for. Um, and I just think that's that's so true. Um, in fact, it's a hashtag of, of mine on my No More Circles feed. Um, one of the hashtags is, you know, belief is a beautiful armor that makes the heavy. sword because it's, it's so true. It, it looks so good and so shiny and so fancy and it kind of gives us the, you know, illusion that we have it all together and we know exactly what's going on. Yeah. And our systemologies are solid, Um but it's, it's really hard to walk around with um, and it's really hard to um, maneuver it, I think, in the, the world in which we find ourselves living in at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think so. Belief is, in many ways, belief is to do with certainty because yeah, yeah. whatever you believe, it's 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 about certainty and certainty is, mm-hmm. in my experience, not good for growth. Right. Um you know because it's like you're st- you're like okay i've got to this place and i don't want to move anymore so i'll just stick stay here and but then when you stay there it's kind of safe for a while but then you kind of feel restless and you want to get out and you can start to become a straitjacket certainly that was my experience of of church was was that like that when i first got into the progressive kind of movement i was i felt liberated Mm-hmm. And then, like ten years later, I was in a straitjacket, you know, because I, because I, I did kind of exchange one, I, I, I simply changed my, my certainty. I hadn't changed my, how I hadn't changed like, the way that I, saw the world, the way that I interacted with my spirituality, and other people. Yeah. I had, I just changed, the, the, the kind of, the beliefs rather than the how you know um, and it was only when i broke free of that that really that i kind of got free of that whole kind of belief religion kind of whatever you want to call it
1: yeah uh,
0: and actually, you found a true spirituality yeah yeah
1: your true spirituality
0: my true spirituality um, yeah yeah and you
1: know i think you you talk a lot about um you know uh conservative christianity versus progressive liberal christianity and i think that both sides are still um you know trading uh in currencies of certainty mm. and so you've a really good point that you know that is a conversation that needs to be transcended uh for sure
0: yeah um okay. and i love transcend i love the idea of transcendence you know it's um, and I love that the I love the fact that people use that word to describe that. It's a it's a really great way to describe that concept as well. Um, maybe more. it's one we need to use more um, because I hadn't heard it much used in these kind of discussions before. Um, I think it's, that's a really really good good way of exploring it. Yeah. I mean, so what does this kind of look like for you? I mean, how do you express your your spirituality your spiritual Journey, kind of. What kind of community are you? Community are you part of? That way, you express that.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is always an interesting question for me, and, and it's certainly a complicated one. Um, and and part of my decision for engagement in spiritual community at the moment is is logistics and, and practicality for me. Uh, part of my role at Hatchery um, is connecting with various churches and denominations. And Mm. there's one denomination in particular that we are partnered very closely with. And so when I moved here to Southern California a year ago, after years of not going to church, after years of, you know, not only not going to church, but not having any void for that kind of spiritual community, my entire adult life has been comprised of ministry, theological education, theological higher education. I've been in you know, seminary education most of my adult career and just constantly having these conversations and being in these kinds of communities. So I didn't have the need for the Sunday morning thing. When I moved to Southern California, because of the work I do now, it was very important for me to be connected with a local church. And I found a local church that I love. It's a very interesting community. It's small, and uh, the community of, you know, the church demographic is, is quite an aging congregation. Mm-hmm. But I have absolutely loved being a part of it. We uh, Last October, I was able to start a group on Wednesday nights teaching about radical theology and post-theism and just really notions that could pass traditional understandings of God for millennials and Gen Xers, really anybody in general who was looking to explore outside of this. In terms of the Sunday morning thing, that looks really traditional for me at the moment. It's more traditional than it's ever looked for probably the past decade of my life. But this is where I'm, I'm plugged in, and this is where I'm serving, and I'm really happy to do that. So that is sort of my, my formal church engagement, but again, full-time job, Patrick L.A., director of Patrick L.A., I'm constantly uh, in conversations, really wonderful, uh, fruitful conversations with pastors and ministry teams and colleagues in the work who are trying to do the work of incubation and acceleration and spiritual entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship. So my cup in terms of spiritual community is usually overflowing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I guess I'm, I'm sort of lucky in that way. If anything, you know, I, I need time very intentional strategic time of being holed up in my apartment <laughs> with the door closed alone you know making sure I, I have time time away from all of it because sometimes it can get actually quite wearing um uh being a part of of christian community all the time um yes it really yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah.
0: <laughs> that's really interesting. So. it's really interesting i think that, that you're able to do that that you know, you're able to be a part of that kind of community, to, with with all the work that you're doing, I think yeah. that's actually a really. I think that's a real positive thing in a way because it means you're not kind of bound by I have to be in this kind of community or I have to be in that kind of community or, I have to be in like you can go and encounter the divine, the spirit, whatever you want to call it, and encounter Jesus in a way which works for you, but doesn't have to fit with any any kind of binary kind of structure.
1: Right. And I just, I want to be clear to all of our listeners. My engagement in spiritual community is actually not about my own, my own individual spirituality. I am not looking for God. I'm not looking for God consciousness. I'm not looking for the sacred or the holy. For me, to even denote those terms as separate from everyday life, I don't actually believe in binaries like sacred and secular. I think it's way more integrated than that, and that's mm-hmm. kind of come out of you know, modern thought of needing to kind of, you know, split truth apart, really. Yeah. um yeah. So I, I'm not a part of these communities and these discussions for my own spiritual growth or, you know, cause people ask me all the time, you know, the, the Christian, the Christianese and the Christian language of, well, Maria, how do you get fed and where do you get fed? You know, air quotes for everyone on the podcast. Oh, my
0: goodness
1: and, me, yeah. <laughs> I know those um, air quotes. For me, I, I... I'm full. I, like, I'm good. Like, I make sure I, I'm doing stuff that is pouring into my life in a really holistic, integrated way in all categories, in all areas. I don't show up to church on Sunday with a consumer mentality of, like, please give me I need. I show up with I love these people, and I wonder what Rhoda, who is 93 years old, I wonder what sparkly jacket she's wearing today. And, you know, I can't wait to administer communion with, Thomas and Elaine, you know, a couple in their 80s, um, and he goes up and administers, you know, in his in his wheelchair. You know, I, I can't wait to um, listen to what people are going to share in terms of their joys and concerns during prayer time. I can't wait till service is over and we can go and have coffee in the fellowship area. You know, I want to be where these people are. This, for me, is not about encountering God or agency outside of myself or to to get any kind of divine dispensation from some other world or other realm. um, For me, that is a complete moot point. Uh, And I will never affirm or unaffirm that, and I'm actually completely disinterested in disproving someone else's experience of God or what they need of God or what they need of their production of God, their constructs of God. That is something I'm completely not interested in doing. Um, But for me, that is not... um, what, what
0: those communities are about for me.
1: They're, they're about other things. So That's really cool. And I, I love that. I'm very clear about that.
0: <laughs> no, it's a really interesting thing. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting thing. And I, I agree, I don't like those... I don't like those air quote things as well, you know, where you're getting fed or the Christianese, you know. I, I, um, yeah. I think, I'm. Um, to be honest, though, I mean, I'm, I've largely... Most of my friends Most people People I now call friends Are not Not in that That anymore You know The people It's a sad thing About when you leave a church That The friend The good friends you have there Most of them you don't You don't see them anymore Not because They cut you out Or anything like that But just because you're not In the same community anymore And so you don't Encounter each other You just don't You don't see each other In the day to day You don't see each other In the life of the church You just don't So they just become um, acquaintances rather than friends, you know. and um But in many ways, that's been good for me because I haven't had to hear all that jargon and that Christianese and all that, you know, the stuff that, to be honest, yeah. used to wind me up and used to cause me a lot of, st- <laughs> me a lot of stress, you know. It was
1: it still winds me up you know i mean yeah. when, when someone asks, asks the question like that you know I, it, it's so funny so a couple of months ago i was um hosting uh, a two-day experience and i was doing a lot of teaching and in between the teachings uh we had something called um well actually I, i'm not going to say it on air but we had these times <laughs> where <it's, laughs> these group activities and um they were all about questions and picking different answers. Like, would you rather this or would you rather that? And so everybody was out in this courtyard in a big group. And the people who were hosting this time, one of the questions was, um, would you rather be at church or be at brunch? Now, let me just tell you that this group was comprised of pastors and pastoral teams. So these are the people who are leading church services, who are preaching, Mm. who locations exist for Sunday morning. And do you know the 95% of this group went to the side of brunch, including yours truly? Most of these people rather be out with their eggs benedict and their mimosa with their friends in a fabulous restaurant on a Sunday morning than be in church. Like, what is that telling you from where they're getting quote-unquote fed or where they're finding their community or where they're finding, you know, their cups getting refilled? No. Um, yeah. I, I was so I was going to go to the side of brunch no matter what because I'm a brunch goer and I'd rather be at brunch than anywhere else ever <laughs> but um, uh, I, I was shocked to see the amount of, of people that went over to the brunch side that was a very that's incredible
0: isn't it It's just incredible. <laughs> yeah it really is and, and, and you're, right, you're right when people use that language around me now it still triggers me off I remember oh, trigger. yeah, I was, I was at an event once and People started talking about it, and people started talking in this language. And I could physically feel my body curling up, like in repulsion. It was like a, almost like an instinctive reaction. My body was like doing this. I just wanted to. I was tensing up, and I just wanted to curl up and, and hide. And I was getting like defensive. And I, it's like I was having a physical reaction to it. And it was like, oh my goodness, I had no idea I was having this reaction to this until I left it behind. And this is what it was doing to me, and like and. You know, so I definitely can't go back to that.
1: And um, yeah. I, I often sit in church services um, less often now because I it's, it's a matter of self care actually for me now, and mm. I hate using that word. So if I use the term self care, you know that this is a very serious thing. Um, but yeah, it's a matter of taking care of my own psyche to not sit in certain Christian communities because I I will have reactions. Uh, like you do. And it's very difficult to reverse that and to replenish when that's done. I find myself angry, sad, infuriated, you know, in a state of content, um, frustrated, you know, so many things, to tears, really, where I will just literally sit somewhere and just cry or get super angry, you know, whatever. But I definitely have these uh, visceral and emotive mm. reaction. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't think you're alone. I think there's a lot of people who have the same reaction. Yeah. Um it seems to happen quite a lot right now. There's a lot of people having that reaction. Um so what, what gives you hope now?
1: So much. There's so much hope. I know our conversation kind of took a a downer turn. Yeah. Um, But I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. Um, There's so much hope. The the church is in its greatest time of challenge, but because of that, it's precisely our greatest opportunity. And at Hatchery, we say this all the time because we're all about the future. We say, you know, we don't know what the future is, but we're super committed to building it anyway. And we approach the future with some really key values that we call ethos of a spiritual entrepreneur. And for us, um, those values are um, curiosity, plasticity, tenacity, and resistance. You know, we need, we need to approach the future with an educated, informed curiosity, and also really a, a really robust um, and prepared sense of plasticity. And by plasticity, I just mean, uh, you know, the the ability to be able to renegotiate, reconfigure, reimagine, and make new. Uh, this mm-hmm. idea of, of plasticity got a lot of air under it over the last couple decades, you know, with new neuroscientific discoveries about our brain and what's possible of our brain. And, and radical theologians like Jeffrey Robbins actually has been... Um, proposing it as a a value of of god and new god frameworks and he talks a lot about the plasticity of god and barry taylor in particular makes the point that when we're speaking of plasticity we're not talking about elasticity we're not talking about you know pulling something apart and kind of seeing what we can do with it and then it going back to its original form and shape Mm, yeah it's about building new on top of We'll we'll always have our story, right? For better or for worse, we have our tradition. We have the world's understanding of Western Christianity. We have these things. It's not about putting an X through it and pretending like it was all bad and it doesn't exist. It's about blessing what was good about it, knowing that what was bad about it needs to die, and standing on its shoulders to continue on in the New Testament charge and imperative of making all things new. And when the things that we believe and we act upon are no longer serving the purpose of making something new, we better pay attention to that. Mm. So yes, I think the future is filled with so much hope.
0: That is beautiful. That's really that's really encouraging. I really feel mm-hmm. like that. I mean you're like making all things new, yeah. And it that's it, that's the core, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of what it's all about in many ways. It's like making things new and making things better, better than the right word, I don't know, but certainly making things new. Sure, always better. It's about making things right
1: where they're wrong, it's about bringing redemption and restoration and love and compassion and empathy and, you know, being human, like what does it look like to be really and truly and deeply human and religion has always been humanity's mechanism for meaning making. And so where is it failing now? And how are we how are we addressing that? You know, Mirsau talks about this in terms of malfunction. He says Christianity has malfunctioned in the world. How are we addressing that malfunction? That's the question we need to wrestle with. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a question for God, quote-unquote, or for the Bible, quote-unquote. It's a question for us. We need to decide that. We need the onus is on us.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree with so so much of what you're saying. Um, And I think conversations like this are really important as well for us to just kind of explore that and go deeper and give people solidarity, you know, and to know that other people are on this journey as well is is a really positive thing, I think.
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, I agree. So thank you for coming on the show. um, where can people find you, find your work and um, all the work that you do?
1: Yeah, um, well, certainly HatcheryLA.com. Uh, you can read all about what we do as an incubator, the classes that we offer, the curriculum that we offer, some of the coaching and training, and learn a little bit about our ethos and why we exist. You'll find me there, of course, in the staff section. I'm director, and so you can read all about me there. And some of my personal work is up at nomorecircles.org. So.
0: Awesome. And do check those out there. They are amazing. There's some really great material there. So um, go we, have and, uh, very, sorry,
1: we have also very active social media accounts. Um, so if you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, you can start with Instagram, Hatchery underscore LA, and No More Circles.
0: Yeah. For Instagram as well. Yeah. And then go and repost all of the No More Circles because they're so amazing. Uh, <laughs> some of those quotes are just incredible. So, yeah. Um, Thanks for coming on the show, and we'll, yeah, I'd love. We'll definitely try and get you back another time. I think we've Perfect. just scratched the Perfect. surface. I think there's more to to talk about for sure. So um, yeah, thanks for coming on the show, and thanks, thanks for this. Me. Great. Sorry. <laughs> thanks for having me. It was really, really wonderful to talk with you today. Thank you
1: so much. Oh, um, oh and also, I don't know when this is going to air, Jane, um, but as of June thirteenth. So Thursday, June 13th, Hatchery has a brand-new cohort starting. We run an online cohort three times a year It's called Certificate in Spiritual Entrepreneurship, and it's an introduction to a lot of the innovative principles that we believe are the future of church and uh, faith community engagement. So we talk a lot about theological stuff and cultural stuff and how those landscapes are changing and what that means for the church. And we also spend a ton of time talking about innovative methodology, and for us, that's human-centered design, which starts with the empathy and the human experience, you know, when trying to problem-solve and we're able to walk people through this process and what it looks like to move church models and church growth forward um, with sustainability and viability into the 21st century. So I would like to just put that out there for anybody. We have a new cohort starting June 13th. It's not too late to sign up. And you can check um, all information on that as well at HatcheryLA.com. Awesome. Great.
0: Check that out, everyone. Um, And thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you all really soon.